Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, here we are again. (laughs) See that? It's August 5. Why I said that instead of 5th, I don't know. But I'm looking at that number. It's August 5th, 2021. And uh, I don't know. I don't even want to talk about COVID today. We're, I feel like we're back where we started. And all those feelings we had of liberation and relief. Uh, I, just, I am so angry at the unvaccinated. We did not have to be here. Incredible. Anyway, okay, got to stop. I'm sounding like a a broken record. Really am. So, speaking of that, I said I didn't want to talk about the, <laughs> the COVID, and yet I completely forgot that the first uh, story I want to talk to you about is, well, it's COVID-related, but... Uh, it's local, and it's the fact that uh, Allegheny County, uh, which has, you know, moved into the substantial spread uh, category where you don't want to be. Uh, weeks ago, ordered with just two weeks notice, all of its county employees back to work as it used to be, in person. And pretty much, I mean, this is this is for a workforce that had been, like so many others, uh, working from home for their own safety, for the safety of others. And it turned out the county was still capable of functioning and functioning during a a true public health emergency. And then, according to uh, certain accounts, uh, in an email sent uh, July 12, which is uh, about three weeks ago, uh, the county manager, I don't know why I completely forgot there's a county manager. I think, you know, of the county, and then I think County Executive Rich Fitzgerald. But I guess the county manager handles a lot of the stuff. And this guy named William McCain uh, sent out an email that said to every employee, you will be required to return to full-time in-person work on July 26th. And that gave people... Uh, two weeks to make arrangements to go back to a life that they had not been living for a year and a half. And of course, for people who are parents of small children, that meant uh, acquiring uh, some kind of childcare. It, it it was extremely disrupting and ridiculous that they were given two weeks' notice. Not only that, but why? Um, and it, it struck me as particularly weird because when President Biden, was it earlier this week, Uh, suggested um, that he, not suggested, flat out said that he was going to order all federal employees to either be vaccinated if they, when they come back to in-person work, or they would be forced to take uh, very frequent COVID-19 tests. And I recall that our county executive, Rich Fitzgerald, came out in a news conference and he praised <laughs> President Biden 
for requiring federal employees to be vaccinated. By the way, there is no such requirement for these county employees. So imagine being ordered back to work, no excuses, in a workplace where you cannot be assured that you are not working cheek to jowl with somebody who is not vaccinated. So it seems just so bizarre to me that Fitzgerald was saying, yeah, Biden, that's absolutely the right thing to do. And he, with the power to do the same thing in a much smaller scale, just his county, doesn't follow suit. And so Allegheny County's return to work order includes no vaccine mandate, no testing, nothing. And this, as I said, one week after these poor folks have to go back to work, Allegheny County gets moved up into the substantial transmission category. And uh, I think this is just outrageous. If I worked for the county and uh, I had small children at home that are not vaccinated and my job would require me to go to a, a crowded, everybody's back in their own little cubicles like nothing ever happened. I think that's insane. You know, our our positivity rate in the county is not falling. In fact, it's now increasing. It had bottomed out at around 1%, which was just, that's when we all felt so free. 1% in June. It had at points been 10%. And now it's, more than 3% and going up. And as we know, the Delta variant is more contagious. So, I mean, I, I find this really outrageous. And as someone, a taxpayer, who is paying the salaries of these people who work for us, I don't want them having to go back to work if there is not a vaccine mandate at the county level. I, I, I would not myself. And one employee, you know, nobody's speaking out because they'll, they're worried they'll be retaliated against. But anonymously, they say things like, it's not that I don't want to work. I mean, we've been working intensely for a year, but we want to do the work where we feel safe. And we've shown that we can do it well from our homes. And there's no flexibility here. The most astonishing part of this to me is that let's say you are an immunocompromised person or you're an old fart like me. And you're more likely to develop a serious disease if you're infected. The county says, tough, uh, you got to come to work. Now, if you don't want to come to work and you want to put in a request for an exemption uh, through the Americans with Disabilities Act, you can do that, but here's the but. That's got to be some ridiculously long bureaucratic process. But in the interim, from requesting the exemption to potentially getting it, you got to come to work or you won't be paid. And if you don't come to work, 
you have to use whatever personal time, accrued off time that you may have, like you're going on a vacation. And some people don't have that time. So if they want to have an income, if they want to be paid, they've got to go back to work. Even if, in fact, they might be immunocompromised. They can't even get a waiver until uh, the ADA exemption would come through. This just strikes me as so... just stupid and cruel and I wouldn't want to work for an employer like that that's an employer who's not valuing uh, the security and safety of his employees and so they're back they're working now, and they're working in uh, crowding, crowded situations in cubicles as we are in this substantial category of transmission and with no mandate that the people in that crowded office be vaccinated or have to be tested. Astonishing to me, and, and and when I when I read this, I was I was really <laughs> astonished. Uh, you know, I I know Rich Fitzgerald. We've always had a very cordial relationship, even when I've you know gone after him, which I have many times. Um, but I, I just find this extraordinarily, uh, wrong. And I, I hope there is more pushback, uh, to it, uh, for the sake of county employees. Really astonished. All right, so I wanted to say that, and uh, and now I'm going to try to move away from uh, COVID uh, stuff. Um. Oh God, Bree, I don't want to hear about no my Bree. I don't know about those things, and. He says, I see many events in Pittsburgh are still going on. Breeze in Malaysia, as you know. And uh, he says, so is Delta, Delta Plus, and Lambda not there? (laughs) You know, I just heard about Delta Plus yesterday. Did you know about Delta Plus? I don't want to talk about this anymore. There's a Delta Plus. Yeah. Yeah. Lambda, haven't heard about that either, but I'm going to have to learn the Greek alphabet. Here, God. No, I don't know if it's here. We don't know if it's here. I'm sure Delta's here. Delta plus, Lambda, not so sure. But as I said, those county workers, you know, the... The workers, like city workers, county workers, that everybody likes to trash. Oh, yeah, like they don't really work. Um, I feel for them. Man, I feel for them. That's all I have to say. Uh, In regard to my um, acknowledging something that you all obviously know if you've listened to me over the years, I have – I swear a lot. And um, and I explained when that happened to me, and it was a re- result of uh, – don't explain it again of, – of trying to be one of the guys when I was the only woman in the workplace. And, uh, and then I just – it stuck. It's just the way I talked. 
and made my way, and I can't get rid of it. I did pretty good there for a while when I had a little boy in my house. <laughs> you know, I did. But um, as soon as I knew that he was aware of all these swear words and, in fact, uh, heard them on the playground, I, I immediately relaxed back into my, you know, potty mouth language. And uh, I want to thank uh, Barbara for sending me this from uh, John McWhorter, the linguist, who um, whose book, Nine Nasty Words, um, including the N-word, and he is a black man, uh, is is a very interesting read. I haven't read the whole thing, but I've read parts of it. And in it, he says that profanity is essential. Let us hope neither permissiveness nor puritanism emasculates the language's nastier bits. Because even in a society which tells itself the half-truth that it treasures free speech, <laughs> there are, indeed must be, words that are beyond the pale, words that can shock, thrill, or shame. Um, so I'm just saying, I got McWhorter on my side, and I thank you, uh, Barbara, for, for, for that, truly. I, uh, I read a story uh, today that I found so uh, horrific that I want, I, yes, that I would like to share it with you so you could hear this horror story, too. Why should I be the only one uh, thinking about this poor soul to whom this happened? Uh, I think it was in the Washington Post, if you care to read the whole thing. It's about an, just an extreme miscarriage of justice, malfeasance of every single level of our uh, criminal justice system, from the cop who first arrested the guy to everything that happened after. This is a story of an innocent man who ended up in incarcerated for over two years and in a mental institution for many of those years, given huge doses of psychotic drugs that made him a zombie. And the rub is, he wasn't the guy they said he was. And every time he said, I'm not that person. They'd give him more drugs because they thought he was delusional. When in fact, he was telling them the truth. He's got a name that I fear to attempt, but I'll do it. His name, he really is a guy named Joshua Spreisterbach. And Joshua had a, a rough time of it in his in his life. He did have some mental health problems. And he was, in fact, homeless at the time he was arrested. He had fallen asleep on a sidewalk in uh, Honolulu uh, outside a homeless shelter. And he was awakened by a cop who told him that he was under arrest. His crime was violating Honolulu's ban on lying down in a public place. Now I could go off on that. <laughs> Did you know? I mean, is it, you can't lie down in a public place? Tell that to people in a park lying down in the grass and enjoying it. 
Now, this is just one of those things that's intended to harass people who are already living in appalling conditions. And it turns out that that's what he thought he was being arrested for. But it wasn't what he was being arrested for. The cop said that he was a guy named Thomas Castleberry. And there was an arrest warrant out for him for violating parole in a drug case. Never mind that Joshua, I'm going to call him that, kept saying, I'm not Thomas Castleberry. But it just kept happening. And he ends up spending almost three years in jail and mental hospitals for crimes he did not commit. And all because no one would listen to him. Judges ruled he was unfit to stand trial. His own attorneys who were, you know, given to him at the behest of the state ignored his assertions that he wasn't this jerk, Castleberry. Now stop and think of how easily it would be to check this out. Right? Did anyone look at a picture of this Castleberry? Because they had it. He had to have mugshots. They even took this guy, the poor soul's fingerprints, never looked if they matched the fingerprints of the guy they thought they had. I mean, at every level, no one would listen to him. And from the beginning, when he's found on the sidewalk, he tells the cop, no, 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 my name's not Castleberry. My name is, and, and he didn't have an ID, but he gave the officer his name, his date of birth. He gave him his social security number. Did anybody check anything out? No. And from then on, that was it. Fingerprinted, mugshotted, all these things that could be proved, that could prove he wasn't the guy that they said he was. And so he finally gets to court and he tells the public defender, this is who I am. He gave his public defender his social security number. And in fact, I, I mean, this, I, you read this and you think, how could people at every level be this derelict? How is that possible? The guy who was supposedly defending him asked the judge, to give this guy, his client, a mental, uh, you know, health review. Never checked to see who this guy he was representing was. And he ends up being transferred to a state mental institution where, again, no one would listen to a word he said. He kept giving his name, his date of birth, his social security number. They kept calling him Mr. Castleberry, and he kept saying, I'm not. And he was forced into drug uh, sessions for rehab because Castleberry had been a drug user. This poor soul had no history of abusing drugs. And because he kept speaking out, he was judged to be problematic. And that's when they started just infusing antipsychotic meds into him. And the more he talked, the more they kept coming at him. 
I, you know, you wonder, you know, every time we hear of a case like this, we know that this can't be a one-off. I mean, the details of stories might change, but these nightmares have got to happen many times. And when I think of all the innocent souls that have been swept up like this and trapped, I mean, my heart just breaks. My dumb computer has decided to stop working, and I'm not able to tell you the rest of the story, but it was an innocence project that finally got somebody to look. And it took no time at all. It Within an hour, within 20 minutes, you could have proven his innocence. You could also have looked up Castleberry, the guy they thought they had. And you could have found out that he was at that time sitting in a jail in Alaska and had been for years. Unbelievable. He ended up... uh, He was released, but he's not in good shape, not in good shape. And his sister is caring for him somewhere in New Hampshire. But she says he's like, you know, when he came back to her, he was like staring into space. This is like such malfeasance. And as far as I know, I don't know. There's a lawsuit against these people, but these lawsuits rarely go anywhere. And there are many states, and I think Pennsylvania is one, that can do this to somebody. And that person, once let go, is given no monetary compensation, maybe a little, you know, mumbled apology, and they're sent out the door. And in other states, at least, there is an effort to compensate monetarily. I, I just so um, it just struck me as such a nightmare story, and I wanted you to know it too. Um, what else do I have here? Oh, you know, yesterday I told you that Tucker Carlson, I thought was in Hungary doing a show. Well, I learned more. Yeah, he's doing, they're really, uh, this is unbelievable to me. Oh, shut up. Excuse me. Now, do you think that's a call I want? That's my landline. I assume you can hear it. I rarely, if, if, why do I have that landline? I keep thinking that, you know, you never know. You might need a landline on occasion. It is so rare that any call comes in on that phone that I want. In fact, it's pretty rare even on my cell these days. And I have, um, I have even silenced. Did it all by myself, too. I figured out how to silence any call that my phone didn't recognize as somebody I called. And boy, has that helped. Because now I see that most of the calls that would be coming to my my cell phone also are these calls you don't want. And I figured that if 
the call that my phone didn't recognize the person was a legitimate caller, they'd leave a message, which in fact they do. And then I get right back to them. So I do recommend that if you've never done it. I can't figure out how to do it on that damn landline. So excuse me for that. Um, I was talking about yeah, Tucker Carlson. Um, uh, the more you read about what's going on in Hungary uh, under Viktor Orban, who he's, who Tucker Carlson admires and looks up to, he is a flat-out autocrat, and he's. He's better at it than Donald Trump. Let's put it this way. And so a lot of Trump supporters and the brighter ones, like a Tucker Carlson, he's no dummy. He looks to what Viktor Orban has done in Hungary as a lesson of how somebody less buffoonish than a Donald Trump could do to the United States what Viktor Orban has done to Hungary. And the fact that Fox News is holding Orban and Hungary up as some kind of exemplar is really stunning. Now, ostensibly, Carlson is there to deliver a speech at some government-funded association that is dedicated there. I'm in a big conference, and this association, Orban-approved association, is right out there in its mission, dedicated to creating a right-wing future. And Orban is quite clear. He calls his kind of democracy, which by the way is no democracy at all, calls his kind of democracy illiberal democracy. It includes government support for churches. He has insisted that Hungary is a Christian democracy. Now, when I'm saying these things, think of how much this absolutely coincides with the right wing in this country. He uh, has a program, an incentive to coerce Hungarian women to produce more quote, true Hungarian children. So there is no need for any immigrant labor. He has instituted a ban on all transgender rights. He's built a wall on the southern border of his country so that Hungary can preserve its white national character. Now, this is the kind of thing that, you know, is like a wet dream to um, to the Trumpistas and to the Republicans. Um, here's the reality. Oh, damn this computer. I'm sorry. Excuse me. I'm sorry. <coughs> the reality is, is that the majority, he, he calls it a Christian country. The majority of Hungarians do not. Uh, ascribe, uh, subscribe to a religion. They're not church going. The women are in fact having fewer children than the countries uh, all around them. The intellectuals in the country are fleeing. There's a brain drain going on there because no one with a mind wants to live in Orban's nightmare illiberal democracy. Yeah, 
white, heterosexual, nationalistic, racist Christians do. But stop and think of how many people um, in our country think this is should be a Christian democracy. Uh, it's 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 just astonishing. And I'm sorry, my my computer is not letting me get to what I want to get to. I hate this thing. Will somebody tell me to go and get a new one? Or or <laughs> okay, can't. Sorry. God dang it. Um, the web page, let me, the web page and one other page are not responding, it's telling me. To go back to the Tucker Carlson Fox News viewers learn about yada yada yada, you must be force reloaded? What? Must I got to forcibly? What does that mean? Lynn Cullen show at gmail.com must be force reloaded. What the hell does that mean? It sounds violent. Okay, I'm going to try to. Hi. I hate this world. I can't. I think I did it. Okay. So, uh, forgive me. Um, okay, let me just get a few more facts here. Because, I mean, this is, it's so scary that we have these urbanists in really powerful positions. And they're polluting people's minds. And God almighty. Here's what he did. And he, okay, this is what I wanted to get to. Uh, okay, here, here's the right number. Less than 20%. Fewer than 20%. God damn it, nobody, yes, everybody says less. And it's such a less interesting word than few. God Okay. Fewer than 20% of the population in Hungary, in, in Orban's Christian democracy, considers itself religious. And then there is how he made sure that he would be reelected. And this should give you pause. Because when Orban got into power, there was a lot of institutions, I'm thinking universities and media that were in opposition to him, sort of like the way the political landscape looks in our country now. So this is, this is, the, this is the scary part. Uh, he made clear that he was going to succeed in his reelection effort. And the way he did it was exactly what you're seeing the Republicans attempting to do here. They uh, changed voting laws. He packed the courts. The courts and the fact that people were disenfranchised. And he literally shut down uh, any media that were not uh, on his on his side. And he was able to do it because of the court packing that he had indulged in. Um, 
I'm trying to find, forgive me. And it, this piece on Orban says that his main accomplishment, if you look at it, how uh, Tucker Carlson would look in awe at him, is his ability to create a list of cultural grievances that then inform everything he sells or pushes through to his people. And so he has created the kind of modern, supposedly democratic autocracy that many, and let's say the Republican Party, clearly seems to want here as well. He has made it almost impossible for any other party to win an election. He rewrote campaign finance laws that only benefit his party. As I said, he packed the courts and the election bureaucracy, which you see the Republicans trying to do at the state and local levels now. He used gerrymandering as well, and he did somehow, and I, this does not go into how he did it, but I remember over the last few years reading about it. He shut down the media. And the effect is, is that essentially a dictator in his so-called Christian democracy where only 20% of the population would call themselves religious. And it is not a democracy. And the fact that Fox News and Tucker Carlson are there now and learning from him and lauding him is should make all of us understand what a battle we are in. A piece I'm looking at here, let me see, I'll let you know who wrote this. Um, this is in Salon and it's Heather Parton. And I'll just give you this last paragraph. Um, before the last election, and we're back to this country, before the last election and the events of January 6th, one might have thought that people like Tucker Carlson were taking the Orban line for theatrical purposes. After all, it's pretty much just repurposed American conservative movement strategy jazzed up as 21st century right-wing populism. But after witnessing Tucker Carlson and Fox's reaction to Trump's big lie and the events of January 6th, it's clear there's something much more insidious going on. Orban has successfully degraded Hungary's democracy in the same ways that we are seeing the Republicans attempt to do here in the United States. And if somehow the Republicans manage to get back into power, we are likely to see an attempt to do in this country what Viktor Orban has done to Hungary. That's how high the stakes are. I have a caller. Hello there. Yeah, yes, this is Father Joseph. I, I, um, I think that one of the biggest challenges uh, the progressive side of our country has is we um, tend to be enamored, overly enamored, with uh, you know train wrecks of this kind. Uh, Fox News is doing is a train wreck, and like any other train wreck, you stop, you look at it, and, and, and 
well on it. However, the, 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 the bigger issue is uh, focusing on, for example, uh, the infrastructure bill. That's very important. Uh, that that baby is, uh, I think I was on the phone with you some time ago. Father, Father, we're losing you. And you can use that as a, uh, it's important to get it in before the uh, midterm elections. And those types of things of what progressives stand for and what they can focus on uh, in regards to uh, their messaging, I think are far more important, far more important uh, than um, you know, worrying about Fox News. And that's just, I, the reason why is because we don't have the energy for it. We, we have, <laughs> you have to focus in on the things that you that, that you believe um, in without with due, with due, with due attention to the things you don't believe. But but I think what progressive believes is far more important. What they focus in on is far more important than that. Well, I'm I'm sure you're right. We've got to we've got to produce. We've got to get things the kind of things done that will have voters going out in twenty two in twenty two. Uh, thinking, I want more of these guys. Exactly. exactly. That's that's the key. That's the key. And I, I think that's, uh, there was a movie called True Colors, I think it was called, uh, years ago. And it was sort of roughly uh, uh, based on the Clinton campaign. And in this um, movie, uh, they were talking about the difference between them and the other side. And uh, the, the person who was advocating for uh, taking the higher ground, as, as we might call it, said, look, we at one time said we didn't have to engage in the mudslinging that the other side did because our ideas are better. And so I think keeping a track on that, I think, will be will, will serve us better. And I, that, that's my, my take on it. I mean, uh, I find it's very, you know, we, we could spend so much time on this. And I and I and I, I and what you're saying in Hungary, I I understand, I get it, I do. What I'm saying is that yes, but what's more important, I think, is getting things through that actually have a positive impact on people's lives, and letting those things speak. The Republicans themselves, when uh, were, were claiming some of the uh, benefits of funding to their state that Biden made happen. So, yeah. So so they know. Uh, that all politics is local, and at the end of the day, it's going to be uh, what you can do to make a positive impact on people's lives. And you know, I know I, ideology, ideology certainly matters. You you make you say, well, it's all the immigrants coming across the border that are bringing all the COVID. You can you can you can make a claim like that. But if you are uh, being proactive and doing some other things to make people's lives better, that that may help. Uh, swing those independence, which we really need. <clears throat> but the, the other thing is, is that people need to know that it is the Democrats that are doing this, um, despite, you know, Republican recalcitrance. So I'm wondering, you know, people are getting these checks now, uh, the child uh, credits. They're getting right. money in their pockets. Do they think that's dropping out of the sky from heaven or do they understand it's a direct result of Democrats being in power? I don't know that they do. Right. So this is why Trump was so adamant about getting his signature on checks. Remember, he, he made yes. his, his sister there. Yeah. Yeah. He understands that. I, you know, I mean, when it comes to working in the crowd, the guy's no fool. So um, I think that we messaging is very, very important. You're right. There are people who don't understand that they can get some assistance for paying rent. They, they don't, and and that's, that's, under, that's, actually, that's underutilized. I'm thinking, how does that happen? There is something about our strategic messaging that is, is lacking. And uh, that's, that's, that's the point, I think. Well, I think it's often, been the, it's often been the point. And the other side is much, much better at it. They're more organized than we are. And we are such a disparate, unruly, uh, infighting crowd that it's harder for us to have this, you know, uh, a solid kind of uh, unified message. 
I think the, I think you've got a point there. Um, for example, the defund the police thing. I think you've been better uh, off saying defund the police. It's been better to say uh, social social services or something like that. In other words, yeah. it's not what you're not going to do; it's what you're going to do that I think will make exactly. a bigger difference. So, yeah, yeah, it's 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 self-inflicted wounds like that that uh, well, can be maddening and disheartening. We excel at that. And the defund the police thing came, you know, from these impassioned young people who were in the in the streets after uh, George Floyd's murder. And I understand yes. their passion and they did a wondrous thing in 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 their in coming out and doing what they did. But that was a big mistake. And uh, and media, of course, just happily picked up on it as if as if every Democrat agreed with it. When the vast majority of Democrats said defund the police, I don't think so. Let me give you an example of how progressive have done that well, but it, had to, it was a tough lesson learned. Years ago, when um, uh, people who were undocumented persons in this country were trying to advocate for some way of becoming citizens, I remember a, a big rally, a big parade they had, and what they did was they made the mistake of carrying oh, yeah. the flags of their home countries. That's and right. That, and, but they made that mistake once. The next time they were out there, they were carrying the American flag, talking about how, they, how, how much they appreciate the country, that type of thing. They learned the yes. hard way. And I guess right. somewhere along the line, we're going to have to learn the hard way and, and find out it's our messaging. But they changed their message. So I think, you know, those types of things uh, are, are important. Um, the gay community, uh, I, one of the things they, they focused in on was uh, safety and fairness. Their, their campaign was going to be focused on safety and fairness in order to um, uh, get, you know, the, the right to marry and those types of things. That, that was that, – and, and once they changed – at one time they, were, they had a different um, approach to it, and they said, you know what? We need to hone this down to something that people – can resonate with safety and fairness. They they and, and that's what they focused in on, and and that that helped helped immensely. Yeah, I hear you. It's nice to hear you. I actually was thinking about you this morning, thinking, I wonder if Father Joseph's around, as we haven't heard I'm from you. Nice to hear you. <laughs> I'm glad well, to hear it. All righty, take care. Okay, bye bye bye. Um, for those of you who don't. Maybe no, Father Joseph. He uh, is a retired uh, military, also a priest um, from the Orthodox order, which is to say that he is able to marry, and his two sons are now in the Coast Guard, and he met President Biden at his son's graduation recently, and uh, he was a chaplain in the U.S. Air Force um, for a long, long time and rose uh, in the ranks. And uh, we're lucky to have him in the in our audience. Uh, speaking of, I, I just want to get a few things uh, in here. Um, I saw this and God help him. Uh, Mexico is suing the country of Mexico has filed uh, a lawsuit in federal court in Massachusetts. And it's filed a lawsuit against, um, I think, 10 gun manufacturers here in the United States. And it claims that much of the carnage, murder, the cartels, and all the stuff that is going on in Mexico now is a direct result of uh, these American gun uh, manufacturers having a business plan <laughs> to to feed these guns to the Mexican cartels. Seventy percent of the guns that in Mexico are confiscated that have been used in crime 70% of them come from us 
and you know what kind of guns I'm talking about. I'm talking about military-style, truly lethal killer killers. Um, and Mexicans are saying, you know, it's quite clear that some of these manufacturers are targeting Mexico. They uh, Colt, for instance, has created a pistol that has the face of uh, Emiliano Zapata, the Mexican revolutionary hero, on, on it. And a quote on the gun from Zapata, it is better to die standing than to live on your knees. That's supposed to sell here. Other guns that they make have Mexican, Spanish nicknames and themes. And as we know, um, suing gun manufacturers in this country is extremely difficult. The odds that this Mexican suit is going to succeed are slim. But they're following on, and I don't know if you've paid any attention to another long-standing suit from some of the parents of Sandy Hook who have been doggedly after the Remington because it's Remington who created the 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 gun that um well, I can't think of his name and who cares that killed all those kids and they have Continue this suit year after year after year. It's still alive. And just a few weeks ago, Remington actually attempted to settle with these families. They offered $33 million to them. And the families said, stuff it. Because they don't want money. They want to change the barrier that is keeping these gun manufacturers, and we want to thank the Republicans for this, from ever really being held responsible for the death that they cause. Mexico, their gun laws are extremely strict. And Mexico can point exactly to when our god-awful Congress, 2004, put this, got rid of the ban on assault weapons that we had. Because it was then that all hell broke loose. And the gun manufacturers here went berserk, increased production, particularly of the assault weaponry. And Mexico started to see an immediate uptick in violence and death. Just saying, stuff you know, you might not note but I find important to keep track of. Um, Barbara says uh, Moderna is now saying a booster shot is likely needed before the winter, even though they say they don't have the same drop-off in efficacy as the Pfizer does. Um, and as you know, the, the World Health Organization has uh, said for Americans to start getting a third shot when the vast majority of the world has not even had its first is disgusting. That's not what they said, but it is. And you know what? You know what? I want a third shot. I got Pfizer. I know it's not working as well as it was when I got it because it's been six months. I want it. And yet I know that ethically, Morally, 
I sure as hell don't deserve it. And that shot I want should go into the arm of somebody in a country that is not, that doesn't have access. But you see how the survival instinct can really wipe out your moral uh, core. Uh, and you just say, I don't care. I want it. <laughs> and I, I hear that in myself now. And I, I decry it. And I know that the World Health Organization is correct. And we Americans are no more deserving than some soul living in another part of the world. Luck that we're born into a wealthy country. Luck, not virtue. So anyway, that's it. Mask up, guys. I had to go to the gym yesterday, work out, and I had a mask on. I work in a gym where there's all two people in it when I'm there. Everybody's vaccinated, and we all had masks on again. And again, I want to thank you fucking, there it is, you fucking COVIDian. For putting all of us at risk again, and our children, our children again, you fools, you self-centered fools. I'm sorry. God help me. Okay. I'm sorry. That's not a very nice way to end, but uh, have a wonderful weekend because mine starts now. Toodaloo. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.